Welcome to another episode of Rotten Mornings. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hey, uh, I'm Scott. I'm Matt. I'm Brandy. I'm Graham. And I'm the angel of fucking death. Yeah. Finally caught up with you, Freddy. You bitch. Who's the bitch now? I don't give a shit about your knife hand, huh? In, in all seriousness, guys. This has been fun, been a fun series. I kind of hate to see it come to an end, you know. Um, the primary pre- the primary antagonist is dead, so, you know, that's just the end of it, right? No, no not exactly true. Wait, what do you mean? It's called Freddy's Dead. I mean, this is it. It's well, a misnomer. That's what they thought, but that's not what happened. And you're stupid. You mean to tell me that a movie studio promoted a film where, uh, you know, entitled it that its antagonist was going to die just to get more people to come and buy tickets and then decide to cash in again later? Uh-huh. Absolutely. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so that will be in the movie part of this. So. Scott, <laughs> <laughs> the floor is yours. Yeah, so... um. Uh, let's go ahead and and uh, go through the news really quick. We got some uh, pretty exciting news. That was weatherman's news just now. What's that? <laughs> that was the weatherman soliloquy. You fucking heartless, non-artistic understanding person. You. Uh, <laughs> I do still have a weather report. Hmm. Any anybody want a weather report? I do not. Okay. All right. So I'm cranking up the chopper. 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 The copter. That's what it is. The weather report. Roses are red, violets are blue. It's hot outside, and Grim is a piece of shit. Okay, Scott. Okay. Well, I uh, <clears throat> do we have rotten news this week? We do. Okay. We have rotten news coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I want you to bring that up. Okay. So there are some acting classes and stuff going on. Would you like to hear about that? <laughs> okay. Or Tell me more. You. Get the fuck off me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So there is a Haunted Chicken House acting class coming up July 31st, which is a Sunday at 12 p.m. That's also a scouting and orientation. Yes. Urza, oh my God. And the City of Chaos has an actor and staff audition as well at 6.30 p.m., which is August 6th. Yeah, those are are two really big things, guys. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, you, you may already be following these guys on Facebook and stuff, but uh, these are two really fun haunts, and they are both having their, their actor auditions on those times. So definitely check those out. 
And Nightmare 3008, is, their opening weekend is September 23rd. So mark your calendars. So far, that's the earliest ones I've heard uh, opening. So I am jazzed about that. <clears throat> and I don't remember what day this was, but we had a Good Stuff's flavor tasting. It was um, last week. On... Yeah, I think we talked about it on the opening of the podcast last week. Well, we... we I said it again. <laughs> we, we did that. It was we so amazing. <laughs> it really stuck well with all of us. It did. And I can't remember half the shit we do anyway or talk about. So, yeah. But our rotten characters are on the Good Stuff's newest poster. Yes. There's that. Yeah, y'all go get you one of those posters because there's like a good handful of us on it and a good handful of friends on it. And yeah, they're actually so all family. So. Amazing yeah. people on there. We love you all. And I'm excited that we will be getting posters featuring all of them. Yes. Lovely. What else do we got? Nothing. I was going to bring this up, but apparently we already talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We went and ate at the Frothy Monkey earlier today. Yes, we did. That's super cool. Yeah, soon. I, I haven't. I've got like four reviews backed up. We even bought some uh, (laughs) freshly ground coffee to try from there here. And that was also wonderful and will be included in our review. I'm glad that you're all here to to hear this abuse. Shut your goddamn mouth. I need somebody to believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Maybe very light news week this week. Oh, and of course, we started our new midweek podcast known yes. as uh, Morning Friends with Rotten. And we did an interview with Biggs, which will come out on Wednesdays. That yes. podcast will air on Wednesday morning. Biggs is fucking awesome. So, so that's that's next Wednesday, right? Yes. Uh, August 3rd, right? Uh, don't know. Sure, yes. No, it'll be Wednesday, which would be July 20 something. Yeah. 27th, I think. Yes. I'll have to make that adjustment. Okay, then. Vomiting. Cool. Uh, That's fine. Um, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, so, uh, guys, like, like, we're, they're saying, like, um, a lot of the haunts are starting to do their their uh, actor auditions, and then also we're only like two months out from uh, the first episode of Rotten Strips, which starts our uh, our Rotten October programming. So we're we're so close to uh, the busiest time we've ever had. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and that's exciting. Yes, that is exciting. It is exciting and also terrifying. <clears throat> sleep will be hard to come by throughout uh, that month or so. <laughs> so if Freddie was coming after us, he'd just be fucked. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we're, we're going to sleep. <clears throat> cool. Uh, any other news, guys? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. We had some podcast comments. I think you asked for those, didn't you, Scott? Did you want to read them? 
We had podcast comments? Yeah. You made a post about the podcast and people commented. How long ago was that? Uh, last week, Yesterday. wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's been a very long week for me. Okay. Well, anyways, one of the comments is Jim Midge says, it's my favorite episode yet. Talking about the last episode. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is uh, of course Riddle and the badass who made our opening intro music. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. And I'm glad that you guys brought that up. Um, that intro is made by by Riddleland, and the uh, the new artwork for Rotten Mornings it comes from uh, Mr. Marlin. That's true. Yes, yeah. some awesome people. So let's see. Oh, yeah. There is some uh, comments here. Yeah, let's see what some of these comments say. Um, one okay. comment comes from a Grime Salace. Grime Salace, I think. You're a son of a bitch, Scott. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if they listen to this podcast. So I don't know if it matters, but uh, they said, so like much, "Fuck you." So much, yes. Um, another comment we got was from Michelle Lynn Holcomb who says, tell Frankie to quit writing poems to the weather report that have nothing to do with weather. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, luckily for her, it's too fucking hot to write a poem this week. But I still managed to drudge up a good one. So, fuck you, Grim. Antonia Musgrove says, the best podcast. Aww. Yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna guess. What's that? I think it's Musgrave. I know it's hard for to believe. She Grim just whispered it to me. What did I say? I don't. I don't. Hi, I'm Scott. I'm a dumb fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, cool. I'm getting reading lessons from Matt. This is. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's come a long way. Yeah. Uh, but but she did say the best podcast, which leads me to believe this is the only podcast she's listening yeah, to. Yeah, so. yes. um, Marlon Fernandez says, great podcast, although it made me want to watch A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, and I truly forgot how bad that movie was. So thanks for that. <laughs> and then there's not a smiley face. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, our bad. We were hoping we'd spoil it enough that nobody would want to go watch it. <laughs> We were hoping that unlike Alice, we'd actually save some people, but you know. But apparently, we uh, instead gave people the need to remind themselves. We did done the opposite. (laughs) Jim Midge says, I don't actually have to listen. Now you tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of, kind of. Not true for for Jim. Jim, you you have to continue to listen. Yeah, exactly. I don't know where that got miscommunicated, but sorry. Um, Caitlin Kitty McQuinn says, "Change the privacy and make it shareable, hon." Uh, (laughs) So, you know, thank you for that comment. That's awesome. Um, you know. That's uh, something, and then she did share it out, and that was awesome of her. So thank you, Kitty, for doing that. Um, Adam Quill, Quill, I am Williams. Williams. Uh, I still believe there definitely should be a warning label for earbud headphone users 
due to the wonderful grime sullies may cause temporary hearing loss or bleeding from the ears. This is an untrue comment. <laughs> no, no, it's a real comment. I just read it. it. You made it up. No, I'm looking at it. Yeah, because you made it up. Hallucinations. I, <laughs> this came from Adam Williams, and he is a loyal listener, and I'm going to give him credit for that. Well, you get no credit, Scott. I mean, it just sounds like you want to, to be feisty and fight. So have fun with that. Oh, you, do you want to fight? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Why don't you go outside and get started without me? I'll be out there in 35, 45 minutes. <laughs> Fine. I will. Bye. Um, yeah. So that was some comments. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, that yes, was a, thank the, you. The comments on the, the, uh, the post in the community. We're going to do some more of those. Uh, where you guys get an opportunity to say some stuff, and we'll read your names and comments poorly online. Online, <laughs> yes, we will. Podcast. Especially if you trash talk us, we will definitely call you out for that. It's our favorite. Um. Oh, <clears throat> what uh, was there? More news? We got more news, guys. No. Probably. Um. Before we jump into the next part, uh, do do you do you guys want to tell people uh, about the new writing strips season? What are we telling them about? Do, do you want to tell them what the name is? I don't remember what the name is. Yes, there's not a name. So look, guys, I uh, I have prepared. Maybe they'll tell us. Uh, I have prepared a list of possible titles. And, and you guys give me a, a yay or a boo, and uh, they can see a part of the process of how we make this stuff. Okay. Does that sound boo. good? Okay. <laughs> Does that sound good? Boo. Okay. Well, this <laughs> game is going off smashingly. Boo. <laughs> Series over. <laughs> um, okay. So the first one is uh, Rotten Strips 3. Boo. Boo. Okay, cool. Rotten Strips, Three Fast, Three Furious. Boo! Yay! <laughs> yeah, I, I heard two yays and two boos. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Rotten Strips, Down to the Bone. Boo. We're uh, not making a rap album. <laughs> <laughs> Rotten <laughs> Strips, Three, sometimes they come strip even more. I don't know. I like that one. <laughs> I'm confused. I don't like any of these names. Rotten Strips Cash Grab. Uh, I mean, that's a little too obvious. Yeah, yeah, indeed. A little too on the name. Pretty, pretty on the uh, Rotten Strips Three Ways. No. That's, no, I hate that. Okay, uh, so Freddie we, Cooper. Listen, Freddie Cooper will get mad at me, and he'll get suspicious if we name it that. So, that's, better that's, not. That's fair. So, uh, still a work in progress, apparently. Still a work in progress. Yeah. Anyway, guys, that's how we come up with stuff. We yeah, we pitch them, and and then uh, they shit on them. I do. <laughs> cool. Um. Anything else before we jump to the next section? Itself is is that? I don't think so. You got something else, buddy? Are you talking to Urza? 
Yes. And no reply. No so reply. Uh, I guess we can move on. Kick it to you, Scott. Sounds sounds fantastic. Just want to just double check, make sure we hear all the news. Um, yeah. Yep, that's it. All right, guys, we're gonna take a break. We'll come back. We'll we'll be talking about uh, what is arguably the best uh, movie in this series. Okay, bye. Bye. Coming this October, as night falls on a quarantine prison somewhere in Vincent, Alabama, vampires have taken over at Hellbilly Hollow, and things will never be the same. Come visit Hellbilly Hollow in Vincent, Alabama. You'll have the best night of your life. Yes, we'd love to have you in our neck of the woods. The wait is driving us batty. This year, we've raised the stakes. Join us. Join us. One of Alabama's top-rated haunts. This is the one for you. Hillbilly Hollow Haunted House Attraction in Vincent, Alabama. Open at 7 p.m. every Friday and Saturday in October. Tickets available at the door. Exclusive merchandise. Tasty concessions. Live entertainment. Well-lit bathrooms. For more information, check us out on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and at hillbillyhollow.com. And we will see you there. Join us. Welcome back. Welcome back! Yay! Uh, uh, guys, we are... Uh, I know you guys are all very, very excited. We're talking today about the sixth installment of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, Freddy's Dead. That's right. Not, not a nightmare title. Yep. Uh, I was looking I was looking for a round, like uh, just a standing ovation when I said that. And weirdly, didn't get it. So, what is up with this movie? Dude, I love this movie. Well, <laughs> I just found out that it's not the last one. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and go around the room and kind of uh, everybody kind of give their their uh, you know couple of sentence thoughts on this on the movie before we get started. I'll start it off right now. Sure. Um, and we'll, I'll go over this in great de- greater detail during the overview, but this movie is dark. It is dark. A lot of the ch- writing choices that were made, a lot of the plot points, they're just dark. Uh, darkest of the series. However, obviously, from this movie, we can tell darkness <coughs> does not a good movie make. Well, it is very dark, but I also think it's much more comedic in its elements, too, and in the all the jokes it chooses to make. So there's that side of it, too. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this rewatching. I loved the chaos of the dreaming and the awakening and everything else that was fucking happening. I don't know. I just I love the chaos. It seems like it was actual dreamlike state happening. And um, the references to Wizard of Oz, that was probably my favorite, as well as the fact that Alice Cooper had a scene in it. That was fun. And uh, me, I think that, like what Frankie said, this is both the darkest and most, like, 
comedic ones and it's so weird how they mixed such an over-the-top comedy with such an over-the-top dark basic plot synopsis and personally again i think this is like my favorite freddy because none of the other slashers are cornball psychopaths that have fun with what they do so outwardly like freddy does and i think that's what really sets him apart from all the other slashers for me it was fun so um yeah i think i think you guys hit on a lot of uh good points i think for me uh i go out on a limb and say this is the quintessential uh nightmare on elm street film this uh embraces uh, a lot of the things that the other films wanted to do and finally gets ready into the state that uh he's most known for uh, the dark, but also the comedy. I don't know that it's my favorite. I don't know that it's the best, but I would say it's like the essential must-watch of the series. I can agree with that. Yes, I, I agree with that too. I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, I mean, there were. We'll get into all the details later, but I did very much enjoy it. Although I did notice in my research that a lot of people claim this is the worst Freddy film. It's true. I don't know that I agree with that. Um, no, watch one and three, and if you want some extra credit, watch four. But then after that, <laughs> beyond that, you're fine. <clears throat> um, uh, do we want to go ahead and do the breakdown? Yeah, Brandy with the breakdown. All right. So, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, was released in September of 1991. This was actually two years following Part 5, and even the TV series ended a year before this. So, there was a break of Freddy before they got back to it. It was directed by Rachel Talale, and the screenplay was by Michael DeLuca and Talale. And, of course, produced by Robert Shea and Aaron Warner of New Line Cinemas. The budget was 9 to $11 million. The box office was $34.9 million. And opening weekend was $12.9 million. That's a well, lot. None of that budget went to the CGI, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no. Did you know that uh, Talele, did I just say that right? I said Talale. But, Talale. Uh, it, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Was sick in the second half of the movie and someone else had to direct? I did not know that. Yeah, Is that why it says directed by both of those people? I think so. So <clears throat> let me give you a brief synopsis of the uh, film plot and then we'll go back and break it down from the beginning to end. Um, so this uh, the movie opens up on... Uh, fella who you are led to believe is the last surviving kid from elm street this is like a good 10 years after uh the stuff that happened in part five and uh, he's basically on the run and freddie is is you know kind of like hot on his tails as much as freddie can be but uh he finds himself in this random town where he gets picked up and taken to a um like a group home type of thing and there's a few different characters in the group home. There's the dream scientist. There's the concerned social worker. And then there's these three other kids. Um, one kid whom has a rich father who's just like the video game skater kid. One girl that had a really bad 
family life and is like the hardened, I'll kick your ass chick. And then uh, you have uh, Carlos. He's he's deaf. Mm -hmm. uh, and apparently also comes from a, a, a bad family uh, that used to kick the shit out of him or whatever. Um, so they decide to like escape this place and this new kid has just come in and he won't sleep and he's being a dick and he happens to have the same dream as the therapist so the therapist is like we need to go to this place and the kid's like I don't want to and he goes and it turns out that the three other kids had stowed away uh, in the van and they get down the street find the kids tell the kids to go call the shelter all this funny shit happens he drops uh, the uh, Carlos and he drops the stoner kid and then this whole time you're they lead you to believe that it's Freddie's child is the boy and then Freddie reveals that he only needed him to bring him to his daughter and it turns out that the social worker is actually Freddie's daughter uh, which then she kind of goes into his dreams and sees his past and it gives a breakdown of who Freddie was as a child and uh Eventually, she pulls him out of the dream in the most ridiculous way and then, like, just kind of fucking kicks the shit out of him. And, uh, yeah, they all go home happy. And the dream demons are like, fuck, we've got to find another Freddy Krueger. And then the end. And Freddy, like, throws up his own face, like, a couple of times. I'm confused about that. But still. Well, um, that's, that's something Grim does every live. True. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, scroll all the way back to the beginning of this movie. And uh, you basically start off the beginning with a young feller on... Hey, Matt. Yes. Before before we get started on the, the, the uh, move through of the movie, um, I did want to say something about this script that we have. Um there's there was several scripts submitted and one of them was by Peter Jackson. Yes. yes. And I think that's awesome. I'd love to see Peter Jackson's Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, well his script was actually uh, titled The Dream Lover and it featured a Freddy that was powerless in the dream world and kids would actually have slumber parties where they would take sleeping pills and take turns beating him up in their dreams. <laughs> I can see how that one got thrown out. Yeah, there's that's a it. Uh, there's also like a cop that's put into a coma, uh, so that he could always be in there, kind of policing it. Uh, yes. And then uh, Freddy finds a way to break free, and he has all of these people in the dream world to play with. Yeah, that would have been a fun. The original script was actually uh, featured Alice's son, Jacob, as the protagonist, and he was being helped by the Dream Police, which were Taryn, Joey, and Kincaid from Part 3. And after Freddy kills Alice, they help the kid, uh, but Talale didn't like that script. Yeah that on September 12, 1991, a day before the U.S. release of this movie, Los Angeles declared it a Freddy Krueger day. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, but that was very short-lived. <laughs> because uh, the people like criticized that and they were like, hey, 
maybe we don't need a Freddy Krueger day because he's a pedophile murderer and we don't need a glorified <laughs> And then uh, Robert England came out and he was like, yeah, guys, we probably need to, like, differentiate between movie escapism and, like, crime reality. Well, so we had talked about how dark and also comedic this movie was. And, you know, this was Talale's directorial debut, but she had actually worked on uh, the first four of the Nightmare films. This was just her first time directing. She worked her way up. She did. Um, but she also, the fifth one is the only one she didn't play a part in, but she also uh, was a producer on Hairspray and Crybaby and most of the crew from Crybaby was carried over to this set I'm to nice. work on this as well. And so, so she was deep with the waters. Right. And also, while it was being filmed, was right when Twin Peaks was at its height of popularity. So it's actually credited that David Lynch and John Waters were the most influential pieces of this film, even though they themselves didn't work on it. Yeah. What? Where was that? I mean, the, <laughs> uh, Spence made a Twin Peaks reference. Yeah. I, I believe it was Spence, wasn't it? Yeah. The end. That was the Twin Peaks. Some of the stuff involved with this movie was inspired by them, not not created by them. That's I think that makes a big difference. I'll believe it when I see it. Oh wait, I watched it. It wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that uh, Rachel Talele was actually the director of Tank Girl, and that gives her way more credit to me. What Tank Girl gives you more credit than Nightmare Part Six? Did you see Nightmare Part Six? Have you seen Tank Girl? Yeah, I have. It's up there. They made Ice T a kangaroo assassin. Yes. <laughs> a reaver. And the Silence of the Lambs guy is a good guy. Yep. <laughs> I, I so, think it's also important to note before we get started that there was no little girls jumping rope in this. And also, yeah. I don't think Freddie killed anyone with his glove. Hmm. Not I mean, unless you count the power glove, which technically doesn't well, actually count. Technically, the only person that got killed with Freddy's glove was Freddy. Freddy. Uh, that's the power glove. That's just him being hip with the kids. Yeah. Up with all the but this kids. is, like you said to begin with, though, this is the only nightmare film to not feature the girls jumping rope. Yep. So you start off with this young feller. Um, and he's on an airplane and he's flying and he's freaking out because he's afraid of heights. So dumb ass move first, right off the jump, just dumb move. Um, also again, not doing a very good job of doing stuff that'll keep you awake either. <laughs> like, uh, and the lady next to him tells him, stop being such a pussy. Yeah. And there's your God status for this episode. God status to the lady that tells him, stop being such a pussy. (laughs) Well, you know, I do have another thing to mention here. Did you know that the woman next to him in the plane was actually supposed to be divine? The legendary drag queen who was in like pink flamingos and hairspray. But she passed away right before they started filming this. Oh, see that that would have been your John Waters. Yeah. Right, exactly. 
So she gets sucked out of the top of the plane, and he's like, I almost made it out! And Freddy's like, uh, you know, you're not going anywhere or whatever, and rips him out of the bottom of the plane, and he falls to the earth and wakes up in his bed. And then he goes to the window, and it turns out he's still in the air in his house. And that's where you get the kick-ass, like, Wizard of Oz uh, reference, and we were watching that. Uh, Graham might have seen this before, might not remember it, but she was watching it and she was like, oh, wow, this is just like Wizard of Oz. And then Freddie pulls up on the broom and she starts screaming. So they yeah. did a good job of. I'll yes. get you, my pretty, and your little soul, too. Yes. And it's playing the uh, Twister music there, the the Valkyrie, right? Isn't it the Flight of the Valkyrie or something? So I'll tell you what, even though there was no uh, David Lynch or John Waters influence here, there was definitely some Looney Tunes influence. Yeah. <laughs> All over this. All yes, over this. So he, you know, basically feels like he's fallen again in his house. And um, he, again, falls to the ground falls down a hill for like best movie tumble ever. Yeah, it's kind of like reminds me of the tumble from that um the super bad movie, not super bad, um the one with um Andy Samberg as the stuntman. And just hot rod. Hot rod, yeah. And he falls and falls and falls down the hill, and then he gets up and there's like an old guy like, "Hey, get ticket, please. Don't forget your ticket." And then Freddie appears on the bus and immediately starts with the one-liners beyond just the, I'm going to get you my pretty and says like, you know, no screaming while the bus is in motion. Yeah. And then he slams on the brake and throws him through like, I guess a portal or something oh, into this other town. Shape. Yeah. It's very, <laughs> yeah. Very so, so two things, two things right here. I mean, all right. First off, we're, right off the bat thrown into cartoon land here with the fucking human shaped hole in between the realms. And secondly, the door is red in this one. You're a fucking <laughs> piece of shit. Uh, so Freddie goes over and, and, you know, closes the opening, I guess, and says, be a good doggy and go fetch. And again, you get your second round of music with uh, lyric to it, which doesn't happen a whole lot in Freddy movies where there's not like a radio, like somebody's not listening to music. Uh, you always have it for the intro, but never just a random scene in the middle will have music with lyrics. Um, so that's interesting to me. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of that is normally like ambient music or cinematic music. Yeah, yeah, and the song's all like, I'm dreaming, oh yeah. yeah this yeah. is a song about dreaming. Did yeah. you know I was dreaming when I was dreaming that one time? There's a scary guy wearing a hat over there, yeah. It's about Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> but all he gets his head on the rock and catches the amnesia. Yep, he caught amnesia. This is the thing about Earth and rocks. Like they are, they are synonymous with giving people amnesia. So be careful around earth and rocks. Apparently, it's a congenital disease. <laughs> so they're right, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure, you did say that word correctly. Yes. <laughs> oh. and he becomes John Doe. He becomes John Doe, and so. Suddenly, we are thrust forward into the halfway house where you see little Timmy uh, Spencer. A recovery ute shelter. A recovery ute shelter. That's not 
Yeah. A recovery youth shelter that uh, you see Spence being, you know, yelled at by his rich dad, like, you're going to play tennis in the U.S. Open if I have anything to say about it. And what is uh, what is Spence playing? Is he playing uh, Ninja Turtles? He's or? playing one of those shitty Tiger handheld the games. The worst games. Can you remember when handheld gaming was limited to those? <laughs> like, I mean, at least there weren't microtransactions. Yeah, right. So. Those were the best. I, I remember racing, and you you could you could be in the left lane, or the middle lane, or the right lane. That was right. Like, I always loved the fact that you could kind of squeeze the screen and see all the animations and figure out where the hell you were supposed to go. Yes. Yeah, we were hacking tiger handhills. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, of course, Vince goes back. We're introduced to the next character, which is the I was abused by my father, so I punched things character. Yeah. Um, Tracy. Yeah, Tracy. And here's another thing we were talking about earlier, the red herrings about Johnny Doe, you know, uh, be a, you know, misleading us to think he's the kid. There's red herrings with Tracy, too. Yes, because they, she talks about the only thing I see in my nightmares is my dad. Exactly. There were red, red herrings all, all over this. Yeah. I think in the Freddy fandom, uh, she kills her father. She <laughs> yeah. But also, I think in Freddy Fandom, it said that um, Freddy's first human kill was his father. Yes. Okay. Because of this movie. Okay. So, after meeting her, you immediately meet Carlos, who is the deaf fellow. Uh, he has a, a mechanical ear to help him hear. Uh, and he immediately like takes it out and shows that he can't hear anything. And um, Spence is like, don't tap out. So again, this movie like really quick tries to throw a couple of tropes on some characters and be like, okay, this is their character, move along. So after which we, uh, that kind of progresses and the new kid shows up and starts talking about this dream and he's got a clipping from a newspaper that shows this lady who says, you know, uh, Kruger woman. And it's got this uh, water tower behind it and girl, what? What's that? Well, you got, no, I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. Um, so there's this water tower. And of course the therapist is like, Hey, I noticed that water tower for my dreams goes to the kid you know where did you get this who's the blah 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 blah. the dream like therapist guy tells her like okay this is important doc, doc. tells her okay this is important yes yeah who was in aliens was yes patrick in the original aliens movie is this this is where like uh, the poster comes into play right with the dream people mm-hmm. the dream semen I wonder. Uh, dreaming. Like I wonder dreaming. if these uh, dream demons are gonna come into play later somehow. Yeah, right. as, as horrifically shitty CGI. <laughs> I it was his semen. I mean, I... Dreaming. dreaming. We're calling them the dreaming, dreaming demons. Demon demons. By the way, Johnny Doe, to his credit, actually makes reference to using coke to stay awake. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, wait. No, he's talking about the soda. Yeah. They pussied out, they out again. Pussied out again. <laughs> Can I get some, some like, uh, caffeine? Maybe some Coke? I mean the soda! <laughs> so... She's like, hey, we need to go to Springwood to kind of fucking figure this out, which is like, why in the fuck would anybody come to that conclusion? Right. Hold on. Before we get too far past the dream here, uh, uh, the movie tries to be mysterious about the identity of Freddy's kid, but this fucking dream of hers, you would have to be brain dead to not have this spoil the movie for you. Yeah. I mean, it is plain as day that she is actually Freddy Krueger's kid. But uh, we'll get back to that later. Yeah. Wait, did you ever bring that walking up no stairs? Like that? I thought his dream in that was... Well, that's when he 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 has the second dream in the actual uh, loony bin. No, no, that's after the fact. Okay. Because he... That was still such a useless dream. Like, he knew he had amnesia, and then it's like telling him he had amnesia. Yeah, and he walks up invisible stairs. Yes. Like, the guy in part three walks through a door. This one kind of kicks it up a notch, and he walks up invisible stairs into a place that doesn't exist so he can see himself tied up, and he's like, Flamie, you fucking idiot! I'm your memories! I'm your memories! <laughs> so, he decides to go to Springwood, and uh, as I said earlier in the synopsis, all three of the kids are stowed away in the back, like in this spray painted rape van. Yeah, it's, this, yeah. this youth shelter uses as its official transport. That and the youth shelter, by the way, looks like the house from Fight Club that's been converted into a hospital. Yep. <laughs> what kind of fucking establishment is this? A poorly run one. Well, it's on the edge of. Springwood, where there are no longer any kids. Yeah, so they get into Springwood, and it's like, okay, she's, they get out, they oh, go to a, a, a town fair that they're having for some reason, which doesn't make any sense, because there are no kids, and you can tell that these parents are, like, all fucked up in the head, but at the same time, when they first get there, all the parents are, like, throwing popcorn at them and saying, get out of here, and it's like, why the fuck would you have a fake fair with no kids and then uh-huh. tell the kids to stay away? Uh, here's the thing. Here's, here's why I love this scene. Having a town where all the kids have been murdered and all the parents that are left throw a town fair and they are insane with grief and obviously have, are just horribly mentally ill, that is great. I yeah. love that, and it is an, the first big example of how dark this movie gets. It, it really is. <laughs> yeah. They try to chase the kids away. What was well, it? Because what? they knew it they were going to be murdered. It kind of gets explained with the whole cameo of Roseanne and Tom Arnold. Because Roseanne comes in like obviously this traumatized mother that wants children again. And then Tom Arnold comes in dragging her away going, no, kids bring him. Kids bring him. And then the chime on the uh, the church start, or the, uh, excuse me, the insane asylum where the nun was raped that they still haven't torn down. Can we count that as a ghost nun cameo? I think so. I think the ghost nun rang the bell like, Get out of here. Go away. <laughs> I mean, she. It, it, 
I really think that the bell just served to like stop Roseanne mid racist rant. Yeah, you know, because yeah, she was all like, "Oh, Trump is so awesome! I fucking hate black people." <laughs> I want to take these kids off and indoctrinate them. And by the way, I feel like Catherine saying, Are you listening to me? was a dig at the deaf kid. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, let's go ahead and take us a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we'll we'll finish up this film, okay? Indeed. Don't go that way, man. You know who's back there? It's that serial killer from that movie. What? Why are they here? I thought they were supposed to be chasing the kids at summer camp or invading the nightmares of the kids on that one street. Well, they're all here. Brought in to fight off the mutant chickens, and now it's a horror free-for-all. Oh, where do I buy tickets? The Haunted Chicken House in Heflin is the largest tourist attraction in East Alabama. Open every weekend in October. Tickets are $15 per attraction, two for $25, and three for $40. Ride the hayride of horrors. Visit the Haunted Chicken House. Defy death in the infamous crazy train. For more information, check us out on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and thehauntedchickenhouse.com. And we'll see you there. And we're back. Back. We are back. Uh, I know that was a that was a long break, but uh, hopefully you guys were able to check out our sponsors and hear more about this exciting stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> so where did we leave off? And the children shall endure. <laughs> <laughs> so the bell goes off, and they're like, "All right, we got to get the hell out of here." Yeah. So they get the hell out of there. They jump in the van and they're like, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to find our way out of this town and then we'll figure it out from there. So they go booking off in the van while, um, what's his name? Jesse. Is that what his name was? What was the main guy's name? Johnny. There was no name. Johnny and uh, the therapist lady go to the school. Maggie. Maggie. Who turns out to be Catherine, but you don't know that yet. You don't know that. Um. And so they're riding around in the van and they keep doing this kind of twilight zone circling the block and they always end up back in the same spot. And the stoner kid's like, dude, you're stupid. Give me the wheel, bro. And he tries it and fails at it. Meanwhile, Carlos passes out in the back. Another one of my favorite lines in this movie, when they're hollering about him getting the map and he's falling asleep and he starts unrolling the map and it's like this infinite map that unrolls and there's tons of map everywhere. And then she's like, Carlos, Carlos, check the map. And Carlos is like, flips it over and in blood it says you're fucked. And then he wakes up and he's like, yeah, well, the map says we're fucked. And this is also one of the times where she says something like, why aren't you listening to me? What yeah. I didn't get is the teenagers not actually being teenagers. Uh, Spencer is offering them pot, and they're just like, get that out of here! What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> and plus, like, why is the looping thing happening now? Like, none of them are asleep yet. Well, I mean, they were saying, like, basically, like, since Marcos was, or Carlos was asleep, 
that they are all in that loop then because he was asleep that whole time. That I thought that asleep. he passed out during, and then that's when the math thing happened. No, because they never show him because he could have just been asleep that whole I time. I guess. They don't show him until he pops awake. Yeah. That was a big-ass Giant ass map. So the girl stops in the middle of town and she's like, fuck this. She's like, I'm going to go find a a neighborhood. And she's like, oh, this is my kind of neighborhood. It's empty. And they go in this kind of regular looking slash rundown, boarded up shitty house, which then dramatically transforms into the Kruger house which is literally only a gaffe for the audience because it could have just been the fucking Kruger house. Yeah, they would have had no fucking clue. And, and the door is red. Technically, it's white to begin with, but yeah, there's a photo. Then it transforms into the Kruger house and the, the door right, is red. The Kruger this door. time. The Kruger red door on the Kruger house with the red door. This time it is red. Yeah. You can go directly to which, hell with that door. Which version were y'all watching? The last one? Because it was blue in the version I was watching. You're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Turn your negative off, you dick. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was not, not blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So they go into the Kruger house and immediately Carlos goes upstairs, finds a nice garbage ass bed uh, and lays down to take a nap. And uh, he, yeah, the end. But he hears uh, when, um, what's the other girl's name? Tracy. Tracy starts calling his name and he hears her and he gets up and walks out in the hallway and suddenly he's in like an apartment building complex and both of the hallways are walled off and he's there and he sees his mom and she starts calling to him and basically puts him on his knees and she's like you've been a bad boy and she pulls out the longest fucking q-tip in the world and he says no mama don't make me deaf and we know he's already yes so clearly his mom did that to him and that's why he's deaf she fucking cleaned out his ears so well they didn't work anymore again dark dark yes so uh his mother plunges a q-tip into her his ear and out the other end and then it's freddie and he's like oh i got your ear no he doesn't do that yet but he pulls the q-tip out of course the um hearing aid falls off and then eddie freddie like actually cuts his ear off for good measure i'm not exactly sure because I'm pretty sure the earpiece went out when he did the Q-tip thing. Yeah. But then he cuts his ear off like that has anything to do with how you hear. Yeah, that's right. not how hearing works. <laughs> Freddie, you're backwards. Like well, yeah. he like well, runs around looking for it, which yeah. is funny because Freddie's doing the like cartoon sneak thing behind him and screaming. But I also and- love the way they emphasize the sound throughout this part. And everything is muffled except for the sound of his own heartbeat and his own breathing. Yeah. Yeah. And everything and, else is for muffled. And Freddie is doing all the cartoonish shit for us, yes. the audience, because yes. there's because no point in it. Yeah. There's no point in no it point for the character. Literally just for the audience. He is breaking uh, the fourth the, wall. The cartoon loving audience <laughs> that for some for some reason showed up to watch a horror movie. <laughs> So eventually he finds himself like on a 
inside of the boiler, which is like now a tiered boiler room. And he's screaming about, give me my ear back. And Freddie drops the, the hearing aid and he puts it on and it turns into this like spider tick thing. I love that idea, but the effect looked like shit. It did look yeah. like shit. <laughs> His ear being cut off looked like shit too, also to add to that. But it's hard to fucking do a cut off ear for real. But so he puts it on, it turns into a spider and then... He hears a water droplet that amplifies the sound times like a thousand. Yeah. So he runs over and he catches a drip. He turns the water fountain off. And then Freddie's like, oh, I've got a fucking needle in my finger. I've been holding this here. And he pulls it out and he drops it. And it's like the fucking Hiroshima bomb. It's just, Meow! and he catches it because... I think the kid just knew he was going to die if he heard stuff. Hey, you think that that was a uh, subtle Albert Fish reference, him pulling the oh, pen out I of himself? Think about that, but that's interesting. Albert Fish, uh, notorious child killer. Wouldn't it be badass if Freddie would have, like, just pulled his pants down a little bit and jerked it out of his pelvis or something? Like, <laughs> well, I think we, we wouldn't be asking if that was an Albert Fish reference yeah. then. <laughs> they were obviously inspired by Albert Fish. So and Freddie's like got a handful of pins and he drops them and they all make the bomb noise and then they hit the tin and they start bouncing and all this noise is going off and he's like screaming and then Freddie comes in and, and it, that, that guy just dies. Yeah, it just nothing dies. happens as a result of him dropping the thousands of pins. The guy just curls up, covers his ears. And then it ends, and he's fine. And yep. then it's like, what was what was the point of that? <laughs> and then Freddie comes out with the chalkboard, and that he elongates <laughs> while he's going. Ooh. Which is another like. <laughs> oh, that's why the pen thing didn't work because he had to do another fucking cartoon thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. In the meantime, of that uh, Maggie and John actually visited the high school, and there's a teacher that's teaching a no class. Yes, yeah. and they have a few different Easter eggs to mm -hmm. uh, Freddy's past on the timeline on the chalkboard. Like, uh, there's a kid that Freddy has in 1966, and the kid is taken away, and he states that the teacher does. Yep. Teachers, like everybody there, all the parents that are still alive and whoever knows all about Freddy, and they're just freaking crazed and just talking about it. Yeah, and they basically bring up right then and there that Freddy had a kid that they took away. That was taken him. away. Yeah. So. Then he pops up with the chalkboard and he starts scratching on it. And Marcos, or Carlos's head, I keep wanting to call him Marcos. Carlos's head explodes. The end. He's there. Yes. They, they go to find Carlos and he is literally like just gone. And the only thing left is his earpiece. And they never like address where the body is or anything like yeah, that. Exactly. It's just oh. gone. Hey. So, that apparently is not interested in yeah. this podcast. <laughs> she is like kind of determined to. So she pick up there after Carlos is dead, and they start searching for Carlos in the room, and they run downstairs, and Spence is high as shit and sitting on the couch smoking. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so he's sitting here saying he's watching the TV, and she looks over at the TV, and it's got like a broken screen, like it not on it's just a dusty broken tv um and i think that's when she's still looking for carlos isn't it because she leaves to go find carlos yeah because uh they they tell spent like uh, so could you just repeat that last bit i just couldn't hear you 
What yeah, was, we were at the uh, TV being broken. Yeah. What was the last thing you heard? She was talking about the TV being broken. I just listened to it. Okay. So, yeah, Spence is laying there, the high as fuck, and staring at what to Tracy appears like a broken TV that's all dusty and the front of it is shattered. But that's not what Spence sees. But then you were talking about how that's when they come in and are asking him about seeing um, yeah. Carlos. Yeah, they come in asking Spence if he's seen Carlos. And he's like, whoa, man, whatever. I'm totally baked, dude. Uh, and they're, they're like, they give up on that and they move on. And uh, pretty much immediately, Spence sees Carlos. He's inside the broken TV amongst other souls of the damned, I suppose. And uh, he's telling Spence to, uh, like, don't fall asleep or whatever, the usual Nightmare on Elm Street shit. But, of course, you know, Spence doesn't listen. He's like, whoa, dude. Uh. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we get a music video for Anagata DeVita. Well, before that happens, I want to address something else about how dark this movie is. All those lost souls, like, they come to to Springwood and they're, every kid is dead. Mm -hmm. Like Freddie's kill count is way the fuck higher than anybody gives him credit for because he's killed every child, every fucking child in Springwood, except for one that got away. It's like a lot of time passed between part five and part six. It was 10 years. It was supposed to be 10 years. And in 10 years, Freddie was able, in 10 years, Freddie was able to achieve what he couldn't do in a year's time. Like, he was only getting, like, three kills a year. And he goes from three kills to, like, I don't know the math, but, like, it's got to be, like, four or five hundred kills a year after that. There was a good handful of kids in that tent. Not in the hospital, but, you know. No, that's the one place where he wouldn't be because there's no kids there. (laughs) Well, that's apparently because they were all shipped outside of town to the weird-looking insane asylum slash juvenile detention slash slash whatever. <laughs> so he's sitting there and you get another ping back uh, to the first nightmare because you have Johnny Depp doing the drug commercial. And this is also foreshadowing Johnny Depp's future relationship with Amber Heard. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> he gets hit in the face with a frying pan and verbally abused. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's actually credited on IMDb for this movie as guy on TV, Oprah Noodle Mantra. Oh, well, that's what it said. <laughs> and you and you mentioned earlier that Crybaby was in production at the same time. Yeah, Who yeah. was the star of Crybaby? Yeah. Johnny Depp. So uh, he does the "This is your brain, this is your brain on drugs" bit with an egg and a frying pan, and then Freddie pops up and smashes his head with the frying pan and goes, "Yeah, one question. Looks like an egg and a frying pan to me. Hey, Spitz, want to trip out?" And Anagata DeVita starts playing and the colors come out of the screen. And one of the things we haven't addressed is that this was the Freddy Krueger movie that decided to go in 3D. This would have been a perfect scene to have in 3D. Oh, yeah. But this was not what the 3D was for. Like, they were like, yeah, we're going to do some 3D effects. But, like, this is well, just a precursor to the terribleness that will be coming. From a lot of the stuff I read, like, I don't know why the reason to go 3D was. I don't know if they were told they had to for some reason in order to do this movie. 
But that was apparently a big issue with the CGI and all of that because they spent more time trying to figure out how to make the 3D work than how do we make this look good. The, yeah, I was going to say, like, it, just, it seems like they spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to make the 3D yes. animation. Well, much like the title, much like the title of this film, it was a gimmick. It was just to get yes. people into those theater seats. Yep. Well, especially and, after the poor reception they got for the one before this. Yeah, but once you're in that theater seat, they've already got your money, so it's too late once you find out that it's only the last 10 minutes of the yeah. movie that's they, in 3D. And yeah. they went really heavy on promotion of this movie with more gimmicks, even holding a uh, real-life funeral for Freddy. Yeah. Uh, being a reunion between all the previous actors and crew members, just trying to get more seats in there for opening night. And and kids like me, you know, twelve years yeah. old, going to see the movie in the theater. It was a it was a different world back then. You could be twelve and go see a movie like this. Yep. Like Freddy in three D. Oh my God! Of course. Like I have got to go see that. It's kind of funny that this is like the fifth highest grossing of a series of only six films. Right. It did have the highest open weekend. That's right. But um, also, it's just weird because like Jaws 3D and Friday the 13th 3D had all come out in the 80s 3D craze. There wasn't a 3D craze happening in 91 when this came out. Uh, and the other thing, too, this would have been a great scene for 3D with uh, Inagata DeVita. But if you like this scene and that song gets stuck in your head, good luck hearing it on the soundtrack because it was too much money to put on the soundtrack. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. A, a soundtrack, which, by the way, was released by Metal Blade Records. And in case you don't know, as the name of the company suggests, it is a metal label. Where the fuck was the metal in the soundtrack to this movie? Well, they did have the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. It had Iggy Pop there at the end. Yeah, that's not bad. I, w- I was glad to see that happen. And Alice Cooper as an actor, but not yeah. Alice Cooper as a performer. Yeah, well, no metal. I think uh, Iggy Pop song is the one that was uh, up for a Razzie for worst song written for a movie of all time. Yeah, okay. but I mean, all Iggy Pop's got to do is show up with no shirt on and it's a party. Oi, so, Iggy Pop, yeah, let's go. He's, he's from Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, Ohio. Ohio. Well, that was Matt's Cleveland, Ohio accent. Cleveland, Ohio. I sound just like people from Cleveland. Kind of like Drew Carey. <laughs> hey, Cleveland. <laughs> so. After Anagata Vita starts playing, he is sucked into the TV screen where he is now a uh, a video game character yeah, in a very so shitty ass video yeah. game. Yeah, hey, about that video game. I mean, it, it looks like shit, right? Still better than that NES Nightmare on Elm Street game we got. Uh, yes. And uh, that power glove that Freddy used, way better than the actual power yes. glove. <laughs> so he's pulled into the dream and he bounces around and Again, you get to see how in real life they are affected by what Freddy's doing because Freddy's just bouncing him around the room and he's doing this thing where he's jumping. He's like, boing, 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 boing. I love that fucking part. It's so fucking funny. 
and uh, then uh, of course Carlos is like, or not Carlos, uh, uh, Johnny is uh, like, hey, we got to get in there and save him. He's getting his ass kicked, and he's like, knock me out. And she's like, I don't have to do that. I've got a different way. And he hands her like a stick and then smacks her and she knocked him out. Yeah. She's got such rage and such teenage creativity. And she has this enlightened ability to, you know, guide herself through meditation to sleep. Yeah, because that's what I'm rage filled, but I also know how to meditate well. Maybe the rage thing was supposed to be another red herring. Like, uh, you know, because we're about to see again coming up when she pops into the dream. uh, Freddie makes the comment about daddy's waiting for you. You know, maybe the rage thing was to make the audience think, well, I mean, you know, she's daughter of a child killer. And so they come in and steal his remote controller away and think for some reason that that's going to save the kid. I'm not exactly sure why they thought that. Uh, If you pay attention, you can see that Freddie's got the glove on the whole time, like the remote controller glove. And then he goes, oh, you forgot the power glove. And he starts playing that thing on his little. Then he has has his line where he's quoting the actual commercials for the power glove, except he does it his way because the the tagline for the power glove was now you're playing with power. And he says, now I'm playing with power. And the interesting, interesting thing about this is they actually asked Nintendo if they could use that line and they said no. And then Bob Shea said, I don't care. Do it anyway. Yeah. And because it actually helps them sell way more power gloves after the movie was released, they didn't see it. Wow. And much like the people that went to the premiere of this movie, they went and purchased a power glove only to be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) So he continues to play the video game with a power glove, basically beating the hell out of him and it shows him like get his stomach kicked in and then he hops up again. He starts bouncing around the fucking room and then he bounces up the stairs. And that's where you get the line of Freddie going like, boink, 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 boink. and then he's on the edge of the stairs, teetering back and forth. And the therapist again is seeing this, like what the fuck is even happening? She tentatively, no, she was so dead. She's more like, Hmm, let me write this down. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. So uh, then all of a sudden, he knocked him down the stairs. He falls down the stairs and a giant hole opens in the house, which has never happened before. And apparently he falls into Alice's uh, uterus. (laughs) (laughs) That's what that was. Yeah. And she's like, I couldn't save Spence, not a giant fucking hole just opened up and swallowed one of these kids. Okay, he's gone. It's too late. She was, yeah, completely kind of cool with it, like without any understanding other than the fact that he's been bouncing around the room like a fucking cartoon. I love how Tracy kicked Rick in the nuts and Freddie had a complete Michael Jackson stance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he also had that line that I thought was in the other movie where she's kicking him and she he says, uh, Kung Fu this! bitch yeah and she just continues to come through the shit out of him which i don't know why he would have requested that because he well, was, he did get his ass beat. well but i mean that's the thing he's got a long history of just in the end wrecking kung fu master yeah that's true <laughs> like you were 
expected that uh, Alice's brother would show up and be like, yo, 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 don't trust the glove laying on the ground. <laughs> Whatever you do. Whatever you do. <laughs> so practice the dodge. They then like go back to the insane asylum and everybody's like, those kids have never existed. We, oh, no, wait, wait, before that happens, they're trying to get out of Springwood. And of course, now the other kid is stuck because he got knocked out by the girl. John Doe is stuck in the dream and he goes back into the dream of the falling house. He jumps. He says that, oh, as long as I don't leave the bed, I'm fine, which I don't know exactly where he got that idea from. But then Freddie just catches the bed on fire and he's like, fuck, I got to get out of here. And he jumps out the window and he starts to fall. We're getting a little feedback from you, Scott. Okay. What kind of feedback? Uh, I can, we can hear ourselves echoing. Okay, that's fine. All right. So he jumps out the window and begins to fall and he magically has a parachute. And then Freddie's up and, yeah, coming out of his shirt, his little wife beater tank top shirt. And uh, still thinks he's safe. Still thinks he, he believes that he's Freddie's kid at this point. He's like, I'm Freddie's kid. This is definitely how it is. Um, so Freddie is in the parachute and he comes down and he's like, you know, you can't kill me. And he's like, oh, you think I'm your daddy. Mm-hmm. Wrong. Oh. And he starts sawing through the thing and he's like, but wait a minute, you, you know, I thought I was your kid. And he's like, oh, no, you actually just needed you to bring me to my daughter. And he's like, and then Johnny's like, you mean I'm a girl? <laughs> <laughs> and then Freddie's like, wrong again. <laughs> and he cuts him loose and he falls to the earth. And Freddie pushes a, a fucking pegboard underneath him. <laughs> He and he might as well have fucking rabbit ears on at yes. this point. Because he pushes it over and then he humps down and wipes his head clean like he's sweating. And then he falls on them and he is in the back of the van and these really weird looking holes appear in his body like he's an air mattress and, and blood kind of comes out. Good. And she's like, ah, oh, we lost him. Well, she's out there. She is out there yelling and he takes this long death scene to go, it's. Not, Not a, a boy. boy. <laughs> yeah. uh, about that. About that. So he's got enough live weapons to say <laughs> five words. All right. Before he dies, how about this? Freddie has a daughter. See, I did it in four words. I'll, I'll you useless fuck. I'll give you one better than Matt. You're Freddie's daughter. Yeah. Something <laughs> to that effect. Or it's a girl. It's <laughs> He might not have known it was a therapist because at this point they're yeah, still trying right. to red herring you into believing it's, it could be Tracy. It could be Tracy or the therapist. He knew that he was tasked to bring his daughter to him. He knew that for sure. So he yes. had to be one of them. One of the two <laughs> surviving members of his group. And we as the audience were supposed to pretend like we don't know that it's yes. Maggie. Yes. You know, even though that was spoiled very early on. Very early. Yeah. So of course the um they go back to the insane asylum and uh, nobody there remembers any of the kids because now Freddie has the power to erase dead people, which weird. But Doc doesn't remember because yeah. he can control his dreams. Complete nonsense. What does that even mean? <laughs> he puts himself to sleep with the electrons on to go dream. 
And it goes to Freddie. And, and this is another thing that, that, you know, Frankie was talking about in the last two films, how nobody really tried to actually fight Freddie. This film is a great example of, yeah, put a little fight in and you can pretty much wreck his fucking ass. Like he is a big ass if you're not afraid of him. Yeah. Uh, everybody in this movie fights him and wins every fucking time. The only time they don't win is when he's far enough away from them to do like ranged attacks of the mind. Oh, the, but, the, yeah. that's yeah. And the, the other thing is like, this is the only film in the series that there are no female deaths. Yeah. True story. Yeah. I mean, unless you count uh, uh, Maggie's was, mom. Well, yeah, Maggie's mom or the, you know, maybe upwards of two. 12,000 children that were killed. I but, not in the hospital. but not in the hospital. Yeah, don't, I don't count those. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so, of course, uh, they are like, oh, this is Doc faces off to Freddy, beats the fucking living shit out of him with a bat, bat kind of just like it's no biggie, then tears off a piece of his sweater and immediately wakes up because he's got this thing to chime off as soon as he grabs a piece and of sweater. Um, and he wakes up and he's got a piece of sweater in his hand and he's like, oh, holy shit, I know how we can get this guy. And horrible edit right there where he holds up the piece of the sweater. It's just like, it cuts away way too early. Like, you can't even, I mean, we know as the audience, it's a piece of sweater in the hand, but like, why didn't you just end like right there after he says that line? Why do you have him move his hand into the shot and then immediately cut before right. it, it even stops moving? So he goes to the therapist and he's like, hey, I know how we can get him. We can pull him out of the dream. All we got to do is just send you into the dream and kind of like once you grab him, we'll bring you back out like I did. And it works fine. And he tells her out of fucking nowhere hey, take these 3D glasses and put them on right now. And that's your cue as the audience to also put on your 3D glasses. Which the audience did not know ahead of time and is apparently wearing them all throughout the movie going, well, why in the fuck did we buy these? <laughs> yeah. And by the way, like uh, the way they incorporate the glasses, it's somehow both genius and complete nonsense. I mean, it's way better than, you know, having text on the screen saying, put on your glasses now. But as we touched on, Doc's explanation of why this needs to happen is dumb as fuck. Yes, it is. <laughs> With these, you can see his dreams. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? We have completely gone off the rails with how these powers work. <laughs> so, I think maybe since it was because them sharing the same bloodline or something that she was able to yeah, but if that's the case, then what the fuck are the glasses for at all? Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. the glasses are completely... Yeah, they were just there. They were, just there. they were literally there to tell the audience, this is where you put your glasses on. Um, so she goes into the door, the Dream Master door, whatever the fuck that is, and travels into this room with this really bad fake electricity and... It comes up with using her wristband like Wonder Woman. She shorts out the electricity and starts going in these doors of his memory, I guess. Hey, hold on just a second. It just occurred to me. We skipped over the big reveal. 
the oh, yeah. the dream where it's revealed to us because we totally did not know before that yes. she's she's the daughter that she has the dream and it shows her in the pigtails and she goes up. She, she didn't know she was adopted. Yeah, and she didn't know she was adopted, and she goes up there and and I think that's the last the last one. Like she's seen it, but she hasn't seen the subsequent end part where she goes to Freddy because it starts where she well, goes into his memory. And the, the 3D glasses thing is the last fight in the dream world. But like, before that, she had had Right. She, she had the dream, and it's the, it's the big reveal yes. because you see the, again, dark scene. Well, that's the last memory. The last memory is where she sees him. Oh, actually. wait. You're right. Yeah. You're right. That's Because she had it, okay. but ended right when she came yes. out of the room with the pigtails on. So she goes into the first door, and the first door is Freddy at school, like uh, beating a hamster to death with a hammer, and the kids are calling him son of a hundred maniacs. Yeah. <laughs> Again, dark. Dark. Yes. So He's just dark. They're just slamming this fucking thing. And then she goes into another memory door. And he's in his basement, like, already cutting himself up with a straight razor. And Alice Cooper comes in as his as his adopted father. Yeah, for a cameo. And he's killed by having a razor pointed at him. Pointed at him. So, <laughs> Alice Cooper comes down there and starts beating him with his belt. And he's like, thank you, sir. Can I have another, you know, the thing about pain? Once you stop feeling it, you can use it. And then he points the knife at Alice Cooper, and there's a scream, and she's waking up back in the door room again. This was so much the- better with Jack Black and uh, Dio. <laughs> wow. I mean, maybe. Well, the disagrees. We, we skipped over where he was putting his own fingers off and Green Liquid was coming Yeah, out. when he was yeah. with Doc, uh, he yeah. did another very Freddy thing where he's talking about the different ways people have tried to kill him. And yeah. he's doing the thing from part one where he's cutting his own fingers off, going like, hey, let me tell you something, Doc. They've tried this. Yes, first they tried, tried burning me. Then they tried, what was it? Something burning me again. First they burned me, then they buried me, and then my favorite, holy water. But I just keep on on coming back. Keep on kicking. Yes. And uh, so, of course, like, um, she goes into the last door, and she actually progresses forward in her memory where she remembers going upstairs and seeing Freddie, like, bash her fucking mother's head (laughs) into the fucking step. Of her tree like fort. So dark. Yes. So dark again. And so she comes out and she's like, I won't tell, I won't tell. And then Freddie's all like, But you did, didn't you? And she's like, Hiya, I got you. <laughs> you got you, bitch. <laughs> well, now, hold on just a second. Uh Freddie actually says, and we talked about this last night. He says, I got him. For taking you away or something yeah, like that. He, com- he completely changed the fucking storyline by saying that the reason he was take like attacking the kids from Elm Street was payback for them the taking his up. kid from him. So it's like a whole different layer. Like he didn't give a fuck but that they killed him. They, he they, gave a fuck that he took their kid away, even though he killed them. Yeah, the kids they that. took her away because he was killing kids exactly. beforehand. That well, makes him an even bigger okay, prick. So the, way, the 
the way I interpreted that was not so much that that was really his story, but like that was the thing he was using to convince her uh, to yes. have sympathy for him. He was doing the sympathy card with her yes. anyway from the memories. And this is how that was just a manipulation. Before gaslighting was a thing. <laughs> Bitch, you're the one that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you're the one that's killing oh, all these kids. Is always <laughs> so then she grabs him and they're like, oh, she's got him. And they wake her up and Freddy's fucking not there. And they're like, well, he's here somewhere. And it's like, what? Huh? Yeah. What? Like the piece of the sweater was in Doc's hand when he came out of the dream. Why was Freddy in another part of the building when he was pulled out? Cowering like a little bitch. Yeah. So they're like, well, well you know what fuck, I don't know where he's at. Real world back in part two, so maybe there's a reason for him to cower like a So kind of a big deal here is that Freddie is now in the real world and he is quote unquote powerless. Yes. That's very important because as soon as she figures out where the fuck he's at, <laughs> he starts fucking exorcist crawling on the ceiling and shuts the door <laughs> in real world. Like it makes no fucking sense. Like the dream demons didn't give him like superhuman crawl on the <laughs> Spider-Man powers. But and is this when he has the fight with Tracy? No, he had the fight with Tracy, the, the Tracy fight was a little bit before this because she had fallen asleep and it was her dad and he was like he came over to tracy it's freddie's voice on this big ass burly dude talking about give daddy some money and it gets really really gross and then she grabs a coffee pot with the best goddamn cord ever and beats freddie to death all the while her food burning He's freaking to death. He comes after her. He does a little power spinny glove thing because he says it might be your dream, but it's my rules, which doesn't make any fucking sense. And then this is the the big the big thing here. She runs over to the oven and burns her arms to wake up. And we all sit and go, hold a fucking minute. If they can hurt themselves in the dream to wake up, then how come they're not waking up when Freddy is doing light amounts of damage to them? Well, I wonder if this was something added in that they had to do in order to end that scene and keep that scene the way it was because Tracy had to be rushed to the hospital in real life because Robert England accidentally hit her in the head with the back of his glove, which resulted in stitches, a tetanus shot, and a knife scar. Nice. And he has the line coming through this bitch. Yes. <laughs> so Freddy crawls on the ceiling, shuts the door, and the girl proceeds to do this like fucking family reunion joke thing where they're making all the oh I love you, you're my daughter, and she just keeps beating the hell out of him. And then she comes over and takes his hand and she says, Oh, this reminds me of when I used to hold your hand when I was a kid. I didn't like it then either. And then breaks his hand backwards. And he has the worst, like, I hate how they changed his voice in the real world. Because he's like, I forgot how much it hurts to be a human. It's so bad. They have none of the rasp to it. It just sounds stupid. And he breaks his fingers back into place. Again, pointless. And then they start feeding her, like, shurikens and throwing daggers 
and you get that really tropish like somehow she throws a dagger which draws his clothes out from his body into the wall or he was just being defensive and put his arm out so she could pin it there well, now I'm not exactly sure yeah <laughs> so freddie's there pinned against the wall and she kicks the glove off and again we have the guy come in and go hey uh, don't let that glove just lay around that that fucking thing is goddamn dangerous <laughs> yeah if uh trace i mean tracy's standing here that thing could go flying yeah. <laughs> so she picks up the glove and freddie's like right on it feels good like you'd figure in the last 10 years ago when he did this with the kid he would have understood how this was going to go um but she comes over and she puts a glove on and then shinks it out like he does and walks over and stabs it in his gut and then tracy the genius just goes ahead and lights a fucking small fused <laughs> pipe bomb like here take this already burning very yeah, extremely dangerous pipe bomb i do like though that uh when she drives the glove into him that's the way that so many of his victims from the previous movie died. Yes. And we've discussed that before. Like all these elaborate setups only for him to just in the end, like stab him in the gut yep. with his glove. And then she Love sticks a fucking pipe bomb, pipe bomb in his belly and kaboom, he explodes, starts throwing up his own heads. And then here comes the fucking dreaming. And they're like, Whoa! And you know, oh, right. She leans in and says, Happy Father's Day, and gives him a kiss. And then he's like, Kids, kaboom! (laughs) And and speaking of the semen, I mean, the CGI was bad enough, but like, whoever they got to do the voices of the dream people, it's like they just pulled people in off the street and kept the first take. Freddy, we're going to use you. But yeah, and so they should have just used the heads that they used in part five because those look way more convincing. Uh, But yeah, and he dies. The end. She says, uh, Maggie slash Catherine says, Freddy's dead. The end. (laughs) It was so, it like. No cliffhanger. Uh, and then that was it. We never saw Freddy again. That's not yeah, true. That's not true. But that's what the title said, guys. The lie. It's a it, it's a misnomer on purpose. Okay. Hey, by the way, uh, in the credits when uh, they're showing all the clips from the previous movies, there's further evidence that the door was blue at one time. Really? They show the blue door in the credits. Yes. Oh motherfucker! All I, right. I don't think Freddy's dead. Probably my favorite credits of any of the Freddy films. Yeah, because they actually had like a homage to remember Freddy. Yeah. He was a friend. Like a Freddy <laughs> in memoriam. <laughs> Miss my Freddy. Um, <laughs> my friend. Is that, oh shit! Is that what Iggy Pop was saying? Um, yeah. I miss my friend Kruger. <laughs> so bad. Pop, 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 pop. I don't know. Is that Iggy Pop? <laughs> <laughs> that's how Iggy Pop carved out his career. <laughs> was just pop, 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 pop. <laughs> oh, that's why he's called Iggy Pop. Other assholes from Cleveland. 
Well, he's guys, probably not uh, people and I probably fucked that up. <laughs> guys, I hope that you have enjoyed our coverage of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Uh, we have gone through no, all we're of not them, uh, all the way up to this one, and now that Freddy's dead, uh, we only have 47 more films to go through. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Okay, so yeah. there was one other thing I found out in my research for this that I found interesting. So Innovation Publishing published a three-issue comic adaptation of this film and then followed it with a sequel. However, only the first two issues of the sequel, titled A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Beginning, were released before Innovation Publishing declared bankruptcy. So the third issue remains <coughs> unpublished and the story remains incomplete. The uh, You can find that story online, though, and it's kind of kind of neat uh, looking at that. It never became canon, but... Um, that and also the the missing forty seven minutes out of this movie, you can also find that online. So that's also kind of a, a need if you want to go deeper in this particular film. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that. So there were so many different versions of this film with all the different deleted scenes. There are multiple versions of this film that include some of those deleted scenes but there is not one film that includes all of them there's just multiple different versions of it yeah and even rachel talale has said doesn't understand why most of them were cut other than trying to meet certain time limits like you could it could only air for this amount of time so they just started cutting random scenes they had like way less uh, of a headache with the MPAA this time around. Uh, MPAA didn't want to cut as much stuff from this movie. The stuff that got cut was just to get to the Freddy faster. Yeah. yeah, it was more exposition and backstory of the different characters, which may have made them more relatable. I don't know. There was one scene at the beginning uh where like there's a TV playing and a weatherman goes on a five hour uh, poem, and they cut that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why they would cut that. That sounds like it would have made the movie even better. I know, right? And put him in a helicopter. That would have been awesome. Have him read some poetry every now and then. Uh-huh. It sounds like the class that that series was missing to really take it to the next level. <laughs> to the next height. A helicopter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, wait a minute. You guys are fucking with me. You don't, you don't like my poetry at all. <laughs> the chapter, yes. Well, at least it's not about the poodle war. I forgot to mention that. We forgot to mention that in the news segment, guys. You and your senseless poodle war. Now, I don't know if your plan is to throw actual poodles at each other or to train poodles to fight each other like soldiers but either way it's disgusting and i won't stand for it protest you're sitting down yeah i won't stand for it (laughs) (laughs) we have gone uh way long on this topic uh thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh we look forward to having you here with us next week Yes. What are we talking about next week? New Nightmare. <laughs> Freddy's uh, undead. At least Wes Craven's back. Yes. Wes Craven's back next week. Okay, guys, you stay rotten.
Stay rotten. Stay rotten. Stay rotten. The door was blue. Join us next time for another episode of Rotten Mornings. Thank you.